And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Former NWSL head coach Rory Dames is the subject of a Washington Post investigation into misconduct as a youth coach. And in Washington itself, the sale of the NWSL's Washington Spirit has finally closed, with Michelle Kang now the majority owner of the team after a long and complicated ordeal. It's been a really big news day in women's soccer, so Steph Young is here to tell you what it all means. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, February 9th. But first, as usual, it's your TV guide for today, and as always, all times are Eastern. We have four Premier League games on tap at 2.45 p.m. Manchester City vs. Brentford on Peacock, Norwich City vs. Crystal Palace also on Peacock, and then your USA Network game of the day, also at 2.45 p.m., is Tottenham Hotspur versus Southampton. At 3 p.m., Aston Villa hosts Leeds United on Peacock. It's also a big day for the Club World Cup. At 8.30 a.m., it starts early. At 8.30 a.m., Monterey takes on Al Jazeera in the fifth-place game. Yes, there is a fifth-place game in the Club World Cup. That's on Fox Sports 2. And then at 11.30 a.m., Al-Halal takes on Chelsea also on Fox Sports 2. That's the second semifinal. The winner will face Palmeiras in the final. There are also some really interesting cup games all around Europe today. At 3 p.m. in the Copa del Rey in Spain, Rayo Vallecano takes on Real Betis. That's on ESPN+. And then in the Coupe de France, you have two games that might be the two best cup games around uh, today. And it gets started with a really interesting one. At 12.30 p.m., Bergerac versus Versailles, both of these teams are the they're the lowest ranked teams left in the cup. They're in the sem- quarterfinal stage now. They're both in the Championnat National 2. That's the fourth tier of French football. Uh, Bergerac eliminated both Saint-Étienne and Metz. They're both Ligue 1 sides. And Versailles uh, beat a couple Ligue 2 teams on their way to the quarterfinal. Again, this is a quarterfinal, and these two fourth-tier t- teams are playing each other. That means one of them is going to be a semifinalist, which is pretty nuts. I mean, I think I would put the chances of you ever seeing either of these two teams on American television again at a pretty low <laughs> uh, probability. So take advantage while you can. That's at 12.30 p.m. on BN Sports. Uh, the other game is also a really good one in the Coupe de France. At 3.15 p.m., Nice versus Olympique Marseille, also on BN Sports. Those are big rivals on the south coast of France. And... Uh, Let's just say the fans went a little overboard last time they met. Uh, the league game that they played in October of last year had to be abandoned due to fan riots throwing bottles. Obviously, we all hope nothing like that happens this time around, but the game itself should be plenty awesome on its own. In addition to all of that, you have a big Coppa Italia game from Italy at 3 p.m. AC Milan taking on Lazio. That's on Paramount+. Plus. All right, that's your TV guide. Let's send it over to Steph. All right, I have Steph Young here with me, and it's a good thing that I do because this has been 
a very, very big news day in the women's soccer world in a couple different ways. And we'll cover both of them uh, here on this show. First of all, uh, and perhaps most seriously of the two, uh, there has been yet another uh, long story uh, filled with allegations against a now former NWSL head coach, allegations of uh, misconduct, abuse, uh, sexual coercion, things like that. Um, this time against Rory Dames, who was previously the head coach of the Chicago Red Stars. And this time the article appeared in the Washington Post. It was written by Molly Hensley Clancy. People should check it out. But I have, Steph, you on the show today because you wrote a piece. Uh, th- this piece about Rory Dames focuses specifically on his conduct with the youth club that he ran in Chicago. And you did a companion piece uh, or just a piece with us uh, last year uh, that was that ran around the same time as our Paul Riley story that sort of explained how these sorts of relationships between coaches and players, specifically at the youth level, can take place. So I'm just kind of curious to know, as you were reading uh, the story today in the Washington Post, what sort of things did you end up calling back to uh, from the story that you wrote uh, just a matter of months ago? Well, there was the youth aspect of it, which is, sure. you know, if in the article that I, the people I spoke to, they talked about how it really starts young, which makes sense, right? These are impressionable kids. They're being told, trust coach, trust authority. Um, parents want to believe or are willing to look away from uh, misconduct or abuse because they think, you know, it's worth it for sports. Um, there was you know, the, the way that he would single players out. And, um, I don't know the, and then at the end when it was such a gut wrenching quote where this player who talked to Molly was in college and had a a coach who was like, like, no one can take away or give you self-esteem, but you, and he's like, you did not have Rory Dames as a coach. And just the way that they were so mentally broken down, which is something that, you know, the experts I talked to, discussed as something that they do where they just I don't want to say chip away but it's like over time they just worm their way in until all of a sudden some one day you kind of look around you're like how how did I get into this situation but it it's it happens over time and that's why it's called grooming yeah um the other of course striking thing about Molly's story and it's sort of a theme that's repeated whether it's you know this sort of stuff happens at the pro level or at the youth level is that people in authority were told or that you know this this issue was raised with the people that in theory it should be raised with and nothing happened is this something that you sort of saw played out in 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 your story or um do you have any sort of overarching theoretical explanation maybe for for why this could be yeah, I think that there are a lot of combined contextual, like social and cultural factors. Um, one of them being that the reports we saw in this story and there are in Meg's reporting as well about Paul Riley is that if, even if you do tell someone, if you manage to muster up the energy or the courage or whatever you need to tell somebody, because we've seen that this comes with an intense amount of shame and guilt. Um, you tell someone and then maybe there's an investigation, even if there is, these coaches are allowed to quietly leave. And then within this article, there's reporting about another coach, a Rory Dames hire, mm-hmm. who was uh, found to have, you know, abused players, behaved abusively towards players. Um, 
and safe sport was called in and there was some kind of reprimand but there was no permanent record of it so these people are allowed to go on within the same profession once again still dealing with kids and there's no clue to anybody that there's anything wrong or that there's a warning flag that you should look for and so the systemic failure from the people who are supposed to notice what's going on or who are supposed to investigate or are supposed to hand out punishments or do preventive work all of it every single level that there was just systematic failure that's what we mean by systematic failure yeah i mean with something like this this can be an extremely difficult question to to answer and maybe there isn't a great answer but have you seen anything or any sort of way forward uh so far when you've been following and reporting on these stories that might make this situation a little bit or maybe not make the situation better but make it so that situations like this won't happen again or would be much more difficult to happen again in quite the same way honestly so there are three things that come to mind and two of them are extraordinarily difficult the first one is just that parents have to be more vigilant Mm -hmm. and they have to be willing to say don't talk to my kid that way. Don't treat kids that way. And they have to be willing to walk away because I think part of what's going on is that parents are like, well, that's just the cost of my child being a superstar. <laughs> right. And it's like, what a what a complete and utter failure and betrayal of the people who are supposed to love you and protect you the most, you know? Right. Um, the other two are extraordinarily difficult. One is I think there's a lot of money in the equation as we all know, youth soccer in the United States is a huge moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Clubs, there are some clubs that probably rake in the millions mm-hmm. with, you know, the number of programs that they have and the promises they make parents like, we'll take your your son or daughter or your child and, and make them a superstar, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll be playing in USL in no time. No offense <laughs> right. to USL, but, you know, that's, that's like... Uh, they, they promise these parents the world and then the kids burn out or don't far. And then the other one being that we just have this weird culture when it comes to sports. And it does come up in the article that I wrote mm-hmm. where certain things that would be unacceptable in any other context, whether in the school or the workplace, or whatever, we see as normalized in sports, like certain levels of physical or emotional contact which is accepted. You would never go into a school and say it's okay for a teacher to scream at a child and then be like, oh, it's just to get the best possible performance out of them. It's just because the teacher cares about the student. Right. Right. But for some reason, we've normalized it in the world of sports because I don't know, that's just what we accept as the cost of quote unquote greatness. And I think having a reckoning with our own sporting culture is something that's going to take, you know, a lot a really long time and I don't know if it'll ever happen yeah. because some things are really, really culturally ingrained in us. It's going to take a lot of time and who knows? I mean, it might take a lot of articles like the one that Meg did and the one that Molly did. And I, you know, I, I'm sure that there are others that are working on similar stories because unfortunately stories like this are not totally uncommon. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, but moving on from that, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to segue easily from that. But there is another big story in women's soccer we need to talk about today, uh, which is that the long running saga of the Washington spirit has now I'm crossing my fingers here. <laughs> Reach the conclusion? <laughs> Question mark? I think we're done here. Uh, Michelle Kang, the uh, co-owner of the Washington Spirit, uh, the team itself announced today that she has be acquired a majority stake in the team. She is now the controlling owner. She has uh, bought the shares in the team previously owned by Steve Baldwin and Bill Lynch, who were sort of working together as uh, uh, to, to sort of control the decision-making of the team. They were trying to sell it to... All sorts of different people. There were all sorts of different bids. There were twists. There were turns. There was intrigue. There was pretty much everything you can name. But now the team is in Michelle Kang's hands. First of all, when you saw this news land today, was it a surprise? Did you did you did you think that it was actually going to end the way that it did today? I honestly, my first reaction was just like everything happens so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put it in our work Slack and. Yeah. I don't know. I, to a certain extent, I'm a little bit numb to it just because everything happened so much. Correct. And whatever twists and turns, once we got hit with accusations of like COVID spread and dumpling making party, right. honestly, nothing was going to, no twist or turn in this was ever going to surprise me. The part where Michelle Kong said that she had like maybe flipped supporters of Steve Baldwin's to her side, that one kind mm -hmm. of, I was like, whoa. But overall, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if it had gone either way. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad it's over with finally. And it <laughs> seems like Kong, based on the previous reporting and the amounts that each of these owners had, it seems like she'll probably have over 90% of the team now. If Bill Lynch is roughly 30, she was roughly 30. And then Steve Baldwin was somewhere in the 35 range. Right. So... That's, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting, and that that move that you mentioned to convert the minority shareholders or the the minority shareholders and the debt holders in the club into equity that does seem to have been sort of the turning point in this whole thing because she acquired the ability to 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 make all these moves. Um, I'm just curious though, look moving forward, you know, in <laughs> underneath all this corporate intrigue, this boardroom stuff, there is a, a pretty good soccer team with a bunch of really good players who happen to be the defending NWSL champions. Uh, they have an organization to worry about, a fan base to worry about. Now that Michelle Kong is in charge, when you look at the Washington spirit, what should be maybe items one, two, and three on her, uh, on her to-do list for this team? Um, I think she needs to solidify that front office on the coaching side uh, between the like Lee Nguyen news and Chris Ward. It seems like they're pretty much, Okay, we'll see this season. Lee so Wynn, I think the, she needs to. Sorry, the, yeah. the former MLS player who retired from playing and is now join, joining the Spirit full time as an assistant coach. Just a little yeah. tidbit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just in case this story didn't already have enough like little side turns that you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think she needs to solidify things on the business side. I'm certain that this was not, this whole saga was not reassuring to any local sponsors who were maybe watching this and being like, do I want to get in bed with the Washington spirit? Sure. Um, and maybe now uh, they'll, they'll start uh, revving that up. I think, I don't know how hands-on she plans to be with this team. As we've seen through this whole process, she was pretty hands-on uh, with the players, at least it seemed like on an emotional level, um, since she didn't actually have a lot of decision-making power sure. in, in the day-to-day. But yeah, she has her own actual day job that she she does doing something in with Cognoscente, doing something in like healthcare yep. locally. So I, I don't know how much more involved she's going to be or if she's in fact going to step back and be like, mission accomplished. I'm just going to hire somebody who I trust to handle my money because mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it's the original $35 million amount cited or if the buyout of, of Lynch and Baldwin actually amounted to more than that in the end, but it's probably a lot of money. And and then we'll see what kind of owner she ends up being or if she turns around and ends up like inviting back. That'll be interesting if she's like, I'm not going to enter another Steve Baldwin situation. I control everything. I'm not going to be selling any 30% to anybody else anytime soon, you know? Yeah. Just very curious. I mean, they're a, they're a team that's in a really interesting position. They've been moving home venues. They've been moving training facilities. They've been moving all sorts of very basic things and still managed to win the championship. They also happen to have Trinity Rodman on their team, now the highest paid NWSL player, uh, or at least the recipient of the richest contract in NWSL history. It's going to be really interesting to see how that team evolved uh, evolves under new ownership. Uh, until then... Once we have something concrete to talk about, I'm sure you'll be back to, to talk about it. Until then, Steph, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Alex. You can find links to Steph's story and the Washington Post investigation in this show description wherever you're listening. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions by subscribing to The Athletic and listening on our app. And you can also get 33% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening and happy soccer to you all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.